0: Good morning and welcome, and happy Mother's Day to all our guests and visitors and listeners on the radio today. Mother's Day open house takes place in the nursery, kindergarten, and primary Sunday school classrooms today. Parents, grandparents, and friends are invited to attend. Sunday school is immediately following the service this morning. Congratulations to Lauren Peel and Andrew Hawkey, who were married yesterday here at First Church. And it's time to register for Vacation Bible School. Forms are available at the doors in the Sunday School. And you can also register online at the website at firstchurchnk.org. Now I'd like to invite Tori up to talk about Bible School.
1: Good morning. We are about a month away from Vacation Bible School and we are in need of help as usual. Um, So we need teachers for games, preschool, and fourth grade. Um, So if you are dying to teach little kids, they're so much fun. They really are. Um, And VBS week is probably one of the most my most favorite weeks of the year. Um, so, if you would like to teach it all um, this we, this year, please see me. Um, but if you cannot help like physically here during the week, uh, you can still be a part of VBS week. And so, in your bulletins this morning, there is a prayer calendar, um, and it lines up kind of, kind of well, um, with the coming with the VBS week. So we have about a month. Um, and so each day it's going to ask you to pray for a specific thing for VBS week. Um, so, if you can 't help, you can pray, everyone can pray, and we could use all of the prayers for that week. It is a busy week, it is a fun week, and it is a week where we really strive to share the gospel message with all of the students here and So having you guys praying on the front end of that really helps us as a team and as teachers, um, and it helps us to lead well, and then the Holy Spirit just works during that week and so i 'm excited for this for VBS this year. Um, if you would like to help Please let me know. Um, but I encourage you guys be praying um, and using this prayer calendar. You can even use it with your kids, too. Um, it's a great way to get them involved as well. So if you have any questions, see me after the service today. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Tori. Now please rise and join me in the opening prayer taken from First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. <clears throat> David praised the Lord in the presence of the Holy Assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatest and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. Now let us sing hymn number 29, Glorify Thy Name. As the children come forward for children's chat, take this time to greet your neighbor.
2: You know, what is today? Mother's Day. Day. Do you guys tell your mom happy Mother's Day? Yeah. Do you guys do anything special yet for your mom or is that coming later today? You have a dance recital? Mom, I'd love to see you dance. I have a little poem. You did? Good. I have a little poem, and it's called, Walk With Me, Mama. It's called, Walk Alongside Me, Mama, and Hold My Little Hand. I have so many things to learn yet that I don't yet understand. Teach me things to keep me safe from the dangers every day show me how to do my best at home at school at play each child needs a gentle hand to guide them as they grow so walk alongside me mama we have a sorry we have a long long way to go who loves their mom i do i do i love my mom so much and you know what sorry Being a mom comes in a lot of different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Being a mom says you have a mom to go home to. Some maybe just lost their mom. Some moms maybe are teachers. Yeah. So moms have teachers, maybe like our Sunday school teachers, okay? And, you know, some moms maybe adopt, And some moms, you know what? You don't have to be a mom to love a kid like your own. And they are just the most precious gifts ever, okay? So what is one thing that you guys love about your mom? What do you love about your mom? She lets you play video games with your friends. What is something else you love about your mom? I like to bake with her. You love to bake with her. Good. Good. What's the same thing you love, Jojo? She plays with you. She plays with you. Good. What do you my baseball she supports you and goes to your basketball games. What else do we love about our moms? You know what? When we're hurt, do they give us hugs and kisses? Mm-hmm. When they're happy to see us, do they give us hugs and kisses? Yeah, yeah so they're always with us and they always love us. She helps you learn new things. Good job. Well, a mom is a great responsibility. And we're going to go ahead and pray for our moms, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for our mothers and those women out there who are like mothers and that love us each and every day. Thank you for letting them be our rocks. And bless them today and the days ahead. In your name we pray, amen.
3: Lost in our service in the last week, in Afghanistan, Nangahar Province, Specialist Miguel L. Holmes, 22, from Hinesville. Georgia. In Oklahoma, Sergeant Christopher Pugh, 23, from Memphis, Tennessee. In Nebraska, Staff Sergeant Trevor J. Kurtzhaus, 29, from Lexington, Nebraska. In Portsmouth, Machinist Mate Nuclear Third Class Donald Alton Thorrington, 23, from Cobleskill, New York, Hospitalman Shiana Solis, 19, from Veradale, Washington, Hospitalman Megan Burns, 23, from South Deerfield, Massachusetts, <coughs> Hospitalman Apprentice Donovan Marion T. Moura, 22, from Queens, New York, Camp Pendleton, California, First Lieutenant Hugh C. McDowell, 24, from Washington, D.C. In North Carolina, Lance Corporal Justin A. Hines, 28, from Avondale, Arizona.
4: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is the day that you have made, and so let us rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you especially this day for our mothers, our grandmothers, and for those who have been motherly figure to us in our lives. Their care, provision, and self-sacrificial love is a reflection of your love for us. We also pray this day for those who long to be mothers and are unable to be for some reason. We ask that they would find peace and strength in you. We pray for VBS. We thank you for the many that, uh, that many people have already volunteered to make that ministry happen. And we ask for, uh, for you to fill those last few spots we need, uh, to, to put this ministry on. We thank you for the, the outreach and the, the impact that this ministry has on our community. Thank you for all the kids that have come to be a part of it. And we ask that you, uh, would help us, uh, along with the Methodist church lord to to make a kingdom impact in this community during that week next month. We also pray uh today for those that are in the hospital that are in nursing facilities. Uh lord for for a variety of reasons. We ask for your healing for them. We ask for strength for their bodies, for their minds, for their hearts. And we ask that your healing would be uh, upon them, lord. And we ask especially for those who are who are in their um Lord, on a long-term basis, that you would be a source of strength and comfort and peace for them uh, during this time. Lord, there's uh, many other cares and concerns that are represented in our bulletin and that we carry with us in our own hearts. And we ask this day that you would be our provision, that you would be our uh, Lord, our God, and that we would look to you for everything we need. Lord, we know we can. We know we can find our hope and find our provision in You because of Your goodness and Your faithfulness to us. It's not based on anything that we have done or deserved, all because of Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for these things, and we pray this day as Your Son, Jesus Christ, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you, if you're able, to stand and join with us in singing number 42, Seek Ye First. You may be seated. Our offering today is going to support the work and ministry of Mark Bird with Revive Ohio Ministries. Many of you know Mark. He's been a a part of our our church in the past and and, and very familiar face to, to many of you. Uh, they, Since Revive Ohio has been in Auglaize County uh, a little over two years ago, they've continued their ministry and work in other counties in Ohio, uh, spreading the word of God and, and reaching a lot of people through their ministry. So uh, today's offering will go to support Mark Bird and, and, and his work through Revive Ohio. And we also invite you to continue to lift their ministry up in prayer and, and ask God to further the work of his kingdom through their, through their ministry. This time I'd like to invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Thank you.
5: At the feet of my Lord.
4: scripture comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence, so that meet we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You may be seated. Thank you, Adam. Before we jump into our sermon today, I just want to plug a reminder for you about our summer sermon series, The Tough Questions. We've had an announcement in the bulletin for some time now and And our plan this summer is to address uh, some of the questions you may have about faith, whether that's... Maybe a a part of Scripture that you don't understand, or maybe a a question about how to live out your faith in a a real way in in the world that we live in. Um, I want to invite you to continue to submit those questions. I've gotten several from you, and I appreciate those that have have put those in there. But um, if you would like, there's still definitely time to to put in some questions for that. Uh, You can submit them. There's a box over there with slips of paper by the Info Center. You can always jot down your questions there, or you can always feel free to, to text or email me or stop by the office one day and we can uh, we can do that um, I just want to just want to make sure you are all aware and, and continuing to think about that as we approach quickly approach the summer and our plans for the sermon series then I invite you to, to pray with me now thirdly we thank you uh, for this opportunity to open your word we thank you for the gift that your word is. Uh, we ask that you would Help us to now um, focus in on, on this idea of prayer and why we pray. Uh, and Lord, um, help us to to not just hear what you have to say in the word, but also to allow it to soak in, uh, to to become a part of who we are, so that we may then live it out as you call us to do. Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. The, eighth grade class in New Knoxville recently traveled to Washington D.C. on a class trip. Personally, I'd, I'd love to go on a trip like that sometime. Where I grew up in western New York, we didn't, we didn't have a eighth grade trip to D.C. And so, uh, my parents are here this morning. They might have to fact check me. I think I was there when I was a baby, but I have not been back there since. Um, and, and, uh, would love to go someday. I was reading recently about a room in the Capitol building known as the Whispering Gallery. Due to the unique architecture of this room, two people can stand on opposite ends of the room and be able to clearly hear one another, even though they speak at a volume no greater than that of a whisper. Uh, Now, this is not magic at work or any sort of thing. It's it's a natural phenomenon based on the structure of the room, and you can find places like this in different buildings all over the world. Uh, but it's pretty amazing nonetheless that you can stand in a particular spot and know with confidence that someone on the other side of the room is going to hear you. Now imagine if there was a particular location that you could go to and you knew without, a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that God would hear you clearly. How amazing would that be? How many people, how many of you would make sure you went out of your way to go and to to go into that spot so you could pray and know that God would hear your prayers It would draw tourists and pilgrims from all over the world, all of them coming just to know with confidence that their prayers are being heard. You know, incredibly, we have that kind of assurance already. It already exists. We can have confidence that God hears our prayers, not because we can go to a certain spot or a certain location, but because of a person. We know that God hears our prayers for one reason and one reason only, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He is the reason we know our prayers are effective and and why we make prayer a regular part of not only our worship services, but also our daily lives. Let's slow down for a moment and, and let's start at the beginning. In order to understand why we pray, we must understand first what prayer is all about. Prayer is an essential part of our relationship with God and it's meant to be a part of our Christian life just like the air we breathe. We can't live without air, much less live Without prayer. Now, far too many of us, however, approach prayer as if it's an optional add-on to our lives. We only pray when we need something from God or a quick thought before dinner when we have nowhere else to turn in a crisis. But prayer is so much more than just a thoughtless routine or a last resort. It's at the heart of what it means to be in a relationship with God, and therefore it is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian and to worship Him. So first, it's important for us to start with a definition, right? What is prayer? And to keep it really simple, prayer is simply a conversation that we have with God. God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible, right? We hear from God through reading His Word, and then we are able to respond to that in prayer. We acknowledge uh, His goodness and ask Him for help in our needs. Prayer deepens and strengthens our relationship with God, just as uh, conversation and quality time deepens and strengthens our relationship with people in our own lives. Allie and I have been incredibly busy lately. You know, we both work full-time jobs and we have two young kids and Allie's been working on her master's degree online in our spare time. And so it's been a struggle for us to find uh, quality time to spend together without kids around or without distractions or other things to worry about. A couple of weeks ago, we had to cancel our Tuesday night Bible study because everyone else already had other commitments going on. And so, so last minute, we, we just decided to cancel it. And, and when our babysitter showed up, our, our wonderful, amazing godsend of a babysitter came. Uh, she told us to just go. Didn't matter, the Bible study was canceled, just go and just spend time together. And we didn't do anything special, we we just went and got ice cream over in Minster and, and just drove around and kind of explored some of these smaller towns that we haven't really been through yet. We went through Fort Laramie and, and Maria Stein and, and Chickasaw, and we ended up making a big loop around the lake and back into New Knoxville. Um, it was really nothing special, but it was glorious all the same, because we got to spend time together without kids around, without work to do, or distractions um and our relationship has really benefited from that uh we had been feeling distracted and disconnected before and 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 so as a result of that quality time we felt our relationship was better and this is the picture of what prayer is meant to do for us it's about spending good quality time with god in order to strengthen our relationship with him it seems simple but prayer can have a profound impact On your faith. And so, in order to understand uh, how and why prayer is important, we must understand the the power, the purpose, the position, and the practice of prayer. And so, first is the power of prayer 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 is powerful, but it's not because we make it that way. Prayer derives its power from the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have confidence when we pray, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. Listen again to the words of Hebrew chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive help and find, may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's three things to notice in this passage here. First, that Jesus is our great High Priest. And it helps have a little bit of Old Testament background to understand uh, what this is teaching us. The High Priest was, the, uh, was meant to serve as the mediator between God and His people. You see, when, we, when you would go to worship in the Old Testament, you would go to the temple and the priest would offer sacrifices and offer prayers on your behalf. And so... Uh, but now, because Jesus, we no longer ha- need a high priest to mediate our relationship with God. Jesus himself is now our high priest. And not just any high priest. Hebrews says that he is our great high priest. In other words, Jesus' priesthood, his role as high priest is, is far superior and far greater than than what we saw in the Old Testament. Those priests needed to repeatedly offer sacrifices for themselves and for the people of Israel. Day after day, year after year. But Jesus, through his sacrifice, through himself as the sacrifice, he atoned for our sins once and for all. And so now he is the mediator of that better and more perfect covenant uh, between God and man. Paul tells us in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, that there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. And So the second thing to notice then is that in, the, in this Hebrews passage is where Jesus is located. Again, it's not about a physical place that we go to here on this earth, but it's the fact that our great high priest has now ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, the one mediator between God and man, is now in the Father's presence. And so now we, because of Jesus, have direct access to God in prayer. There's a mention here of the throne of grace, which is an allusion to the Holy of the Hol- holy of Holies in the temple. See, the Holy of Holies was this room at the very center of the temple, and it's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And, and, uh, at the top of the Ark of the Covenant was a, was a decorative lid, and there were two angels, uh, two golden statues of angels on the top. And it was in this space between the two angels that, that God spoke to Moses. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4, it comments that God is himself enthroned between the two angels. And so the Holy of Holies and and the Ark of the Covenant in particular was considered to be ground zero for God's presence in this world. It was the physical representation of the throne room which was in heaven. Now this place had such great significance that no one was allowed to go into it except one person on one day of the year. The high priest on the Day of Atonement would enter into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for the people of Israel in the presence of God. But besides that one person on that one day, no one was allowed to enter into God's presence in that way. But something interesting happened on the day that Jesus died. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and about to to give up his life as a ransom for many, it says that the ground shook and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. It's almost like a throwaway verse, what seems like a throwaway verse in Matthew chapter 27, but it has really important significance for us because it was that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And so when Jesus died, that curtain was torn into two, which represented the fact that there was no longer any separation between us and God. That barrier was removed, and now through Jesus, we have access to that throne of grace ourselves. The third thing to notice here in Hebrews chapter 4 is about the... Uh, that our, about the power of prayer is that our great high priest is both human and fully divine. Jesus was a real person and he's able to empathize with our weaknesses and with our temptations. He struggled with all the same experiences that we go through as human beings. He understands our needs, our wants, and our desires, but there's one major difference, right? He experienced the full effect of what it means to be human, except he did not sin. Earlier in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17-18, through 18, Jesus says, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. But it's not just that Jesus can empathize with us, right? There are plenty of people in this world who know what it's like to go through temptation, who know what it's like to suffer and have needs. But we don't pray to those people. The reason that prayer is so powerful and the reason why we pray to Jesus in particular is that he can not only empathize with our struggles, but he's also fully God and is able to meet our needs as well. He's able to understand we're going through and has the power to do something about it. Therefore, we have every reason to be bold as we approach God in prayer. Our confidence doesn't come from our own accomplishments. It's based completely on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Our praises and concerns are not offered up in the strength of our own faith, but on the merits of Jesus Christ. He's earned that for us. And so first, that's the power of prayer. And second, we must know the purpose of prayer. In other words, why do we pray? We pray first and foremost for God's glory and then for our own good. Think about the Lord's Prayer that we repeat every Sunday together. It's structured around those two ideas. The first half of the prayer focuses all on God's glory. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? It's all about God. We're halfway through the prayer and we haven't even mentioned ourselves or our concerns. So first and foremost, prayer is about giving glory to God. And then after we've done that, we shift our attention to ourselves and our own needs and wants. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trust our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Bringing our needs to God helps us to develop an attitude of dependence on Him. We know that He can meet our needs precisely because He is good and powerful, and and He accomplishes His will in this world. And so what should we pray for? We see from the Lord's Prayer that in other places in Scripture that we're supposed to pray for both our spiritual and our physical needs. And so, for our spiritual needs, we should pray for our forgiveness and confess to the Lord how we have done wrong. 1 John chapter 1 verses 8 through 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, so first and foremost, we confess our sins to the Lord and acknowledge our need for Him but we can also pray in order to help relieve our own anxiety and stress about what we're going through in this life. You know, prayer is a way for us to place our trust in the Lord and say, no matter what is happening in this world, no matter what is happening in my life, I'm still going to trust in you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-7 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, prayer is an opportunity for us to trust God. It's an opportunity for us to to come before Him and say, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I see wrong in this world. And I'm going to trust that you can do something about it. Prayerlessness, on the other hand, is a demonstrated lack of trust. To worry about a problem and to not bring it to God in prayer is to believe that God isn't good enough or isn't powerful enough to do something about it. And so we come to God with our spiritual needs, but we also come to Him with our physical needs. Prayer can help when we face temptation. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus went off by Himself to pray, uh, in Matthew chapter 26, He tells Peter this. He says, Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And so prayer can help us in our times of need. As we're tempted to sin, as we're tempted to stray from God, we can come to Him in prayer and He can help us. And of course, we should also bring our our temporal needs to God in prayer, right? Those things like daily provision, right? The things that we need in order to survive. God wants us to bring those things to Him in prayer as well. We already saw in the Lord's Prayer that part of that prayer that Jesus tells us to pray is to ask God for our daily bread. What we need on a given day, those things that we need to survive, like bread and food and sustenance, but also for other things as well. Maybe it's healing, maybe it's provision in a time of financial stress. All of those things are good uh, to bring to God in prayer and ask for His provision and His guidance. And so we see the power of prayer, we see the purpose of prayer. And third, we must also recognize and understand our position in prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gives us three parables to help us understand the position or attitude that we should have as we approach that throne of grace. First, in Luke chapter 11, verses 5-13, through 13, Jesus teaches us that we should be bold. The parable describes a person who wakes up a, fre- wakes up a friend in the middle of the night to ask for three loaves of bread. The guests had just arrived and there was no food to offer them. So the person goes next door, knocks on the door, and asks that, that this friend of his would get up in the middle of the night and provide what he needs to be a good host. And the friend initially refuses the request, but eventually complies. And they comply not out of a sense of duty or not even out of a sense of friendship, but because of the person's shameless audacity. The person in the parable was bold. They knew that it was the middle of the night. They knew that it was inconvenient, but they asked anyways. And Jesus goes on to say these famous words. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And, the one to, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, when it comes to prayer, we shouldn't be afraid to ask what we need or want. And there's nothing too big or too small for God to handle. Sometimes we get this idea in our heads that that we're a bother to God, but that's simply not true. God is our good Father and He desires to give us what we need according to His will. Speaking on prayer, Tim Keller says, The only person who dares wake up a king at three in the morning for a glass of water is a child. And we have that kind of access. And so we need to be bold, but we also need to be persistent. Jesus tells another parable in Luke 18, 1 through 8 And this is the story of a persistent widow who persistently petitions an unjust judge to do what is right. And even though this judge is unjust, and even though he does it for the wrong reasons because she keeps nagging him about it, the judge eventually relents and administers justice. How much more so then, Jesus reminds the crowd, will the good judge... Uh, it, excuse me, how much more so will God, who is a good and just judge, do what is right? Persistence in prayer demonstrates our, cons- our continued concern and dependence on God for the situation. If we truly cared about something, if we truly cared about what was going on in our lives or in the lives of a loved one or the lo- or, or even the world in general, if we truly cared about it, we would do something about it. We would continually lift it up to him. Repeated prayer also changes our hearts toward the object of prayer. As we pray about something day after day, week after week, or even year after year, our hearts will be softened toward the situation. Right? We'll be, we will be moved to act ourselves and maybe we will become the answer to prayer that we're looking for. You know, I, I believe that it's, it's impossible for us to, to continually, to persistently pray about something, whether it's a person or a situation, and remain apathetic towards it. If we pray persistently about a person or about a situation, our hearts will be softened toward it as well. We won't be able to hold a grudge anymore. We won't be able to hate another person if we're constantly praying and ask God to work in their lives. God will transform us as we lift up that situation to Him. And so don't be discouraged if you don't see an answer immediately. Right? Be persistent. Be bold in prayer and don't lose heart. God is not wearied, He's not annoyed by our prayers. In fact, He promises that He will hear us and He will act according to His will. The third parable from Luke is actually immediately following that one in Luke 18, verses 9-14. And it teaches us that we need to be humble in prayer as well. Jesus tells the story of two people who go into a temple to pray. One is a Pharisee who offers up a very self-centered, prideful prayer. Hardly acknowledging God at all, he thanks God that he's not like the sinners and like the rest of the world, and he even brags about his own giving habits. But the other person is a tax collector. And in his humility, he's unable to even lift his eyes up towards heaven. And he he beats his chest, and all he can say is, have mercy on me, a sinner. Faithful prayer recognizes the vast difference between God's goodness and His holiness. His knowledge of a situation and His power in our own limited perspective, and our own unworthiness. The tax collector knew he didn't deserve God's favor, but he humbly approached God anyway. Humble prayer acknowledges our own wants and desires, but ultimately submits to the will and authority of God. Right? God already knows what we want. We're not fooling Him if we, if we try to hide that in our prayers. I believe it's okay if we, if we ask God for what we want as long as we humbly submit to His will and not demand that our own be done. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we need to learn how to pray, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. We've talked about the power, the purpose, and the position of prayer. And lastly, I want to talk about the practice of prayer. We must be intentional about how we incorporate prayer and worship in an everyday life. And so there's a few things I want to highlight from God's Word. First, prayer is meant to be both private and public. We often point to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5-8, through eight, where Jesus seemingly speaks out against public prayer. In those verses, He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen." Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. These words, however, are not a condemnation of public prayer in itself. They're meant to These words speak against the, the kind of attitude that can often manifest itself in, in public prayer. It speaks against public prayer that is self-seeking and prideful where the attention isn't on God, but uh, rather on the person who is praying. It's good, I believe, to pray in front of other people as long as your heart is in the right place. And when done properly, public prayer can be really uplifting and even instructive to those who hear it. This kind of public prayer doesn't just happen, though. It needs to be fueled by a, a robust private prayer life. As I mentioned earlier, private prayer is like the air we breathe. Christians simply can't live without it. And it's that private prayer life, the time that you spend with God one on one, that will fuel your public prayers. So prayer is meant to be private and corporate. It's also meant to be individual, excuse me, private and public, but it's also meant to be individual and corporate. Prayer, like our faith, is personal, but it's meant to be shared with others. Think back to the Lord's Prayer, right? We pray our Father, not my Father. That prayer, throughout it, uses plural pronouns. We're meant to pray with and for other people. It also means that we're supposed to pray for other people and their needs, not just what concerns us personally. As Christians, there's no such thing as it's their problem, not mine, right? We're called to lift up the problems, the concerns, the requests of our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just when it pertains to us. And in doing so, we come alongside them and, and, and plead for their needs in Christ's presence. Authentic prayer is also meant to be prepared and extemporaneous. Right? There's nothing wrong with pre-written prayers. Sometimes we, we look at them and, and we think, well, you know, that's not personal or that's not really coming from the heart. But rote prayers like the Lord's Prayer help us to understand and help us to pray and provide, script, provide structure when we don't know what else to pray for. Sometimes words fail us, and relying on written prayers like the Lord's Prayer or others can be tremendously helpful. But it's also important for Christians to be able and willing to pray from the heart. Our Heavenly Father already knows what we need before we ask Him, and so we can simply pray for for our needs and situations as they come to mind and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and ask Him to help us to know how to pray when we don't know what else to pray for. Remember prayer is not excuse me prayer is not just something you do or include as part of the service it's also meant to be interwoven through everything through throughout the service throughout life for that matter prayer is not just an add on it's an essential part of the structure and integrity of our worship of God I want to close now by giving you some advice on how to develop an active prayer life this applies to our worship together as a church as well as your personal walk with the Lord First thing is to be intentional, right? Prayer doesn't just happen and it won't just happen. We need to learn to set aside time to pray. We need to be intentional about how we pray and when we pray as we worship together. And we need to be intentional about how we pray and when we pray during our own time and our own relationship with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 commands us to pray without ceasing. And that doesn't mean that we go into a a closet and lock the door and just pray 24-7 and forget about the rest of life, right? That's not realistic for us. But prayer without ceasing is a mindset. It's an attitude that we have that that as we go through our day, whether we're at work or with family or at the grocery store or driving on the road, we know that we have access to God through Christ in prayer. That we have the opportunity and the privilege to pray whenever and wherever we are. And God encourages us to do that. But we need to be intentional about it ourselves. And so one of the things that we can do is, is put reminders throughout our day, throughout our life, that remind us of that reality and of the privilege we have to pray. Maybe it's sticky notes on a mirror. Maybe it's a note tucked into a wallet or purse. But but something physical that can remind us to go to the Lord in prayer. And so we need to be intentional, but we also can pray and meditate on the Word of God. You know, God has spoken to us in His Word, and if prayer is, is meant to be a conversation with God, He's already initiated the conversation. right? He's spoken to us through His Word, and so what better place to start in prayer than be in our Bibles and be reading what God has already said to us. And so we can read a passage and use it as a model for prayer Right, the, our call to worship is a great example of that. It was a an actual prayer that David prayed, and we can take and read that and and apply it to our own lives. And we can use what is said in Scripture to then to then expound on and 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 lead us in how to pray. Maybe a passage speaks about God's goodness and His and His glory, and so you can take a moment and thank God and, and pray about those things. Reflect on God's goodness and glory. Maybe it's a passage about healing or or God's provision for his people, and that can prompt you to then pray for God's healing in your own life or for someone else. But scripture can encourage us and give us structure for how we pray. And it's also important that we meditate on it. Uh, and when I say meditate, I'm not talking about simply emptying our minds and stop thinking, right? That's not what Christian meditation is all about. When we meditate on Scripture, we pause and we think deeply about what God's Word has to say to us instead of simply skimming over a passage and moving on to what is next on our to do list. So it's important for us to to use Scripture to pray and to meditate. And finally, we can use structure, uh, use models to structure our prayer. Once again, the Lord's Prayer is a great example for what this is. Recite, you can recite the prayer line by line, but you can also take each line and use it as a springboard to pray for your own needs, your own concerns, to personalize it for yourself. Another example is the ACTS model of prayer, which is probably familiar to many of you. ACTS, A-C-T-S, ACTS. Adoration, supplic- excuse me, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. These four themes can be a structure for your prayer life. You can spend a little bit of time on each one of those and and adoring God for who He is and and confessing our own sins, thanking Him for what He's done in our lives, and then supplication, asking God to provide for your needs. It can even help to write your prayers down, to to keep a journal and review it every once in a while to see how God has answered your prayers. If you do, you'll be amazed at all the things that God has done, which will give you all the more reason to worship him for who he is. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given us the privilege to come to you in prayer. I pray that as we do so together as a body of Christ here in this place and as we do so as individuals in our own lives, that you would meet us in that place and that you'd always answer our prayers according to your goodwill. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, I invite you to stand and join with us as we sing number 371, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Speaking of prayer, what a great, what a better way to, to spend time in prayer over the next month than using that prayer calendar that was in your bulletins today to be praying for VBS. Um, what a, what a great thing to be lifting up the Lord together as a church, as a community with the Methodist Church as we prepare to, to make a impact for the kingdom with those kids. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.